It is Thursday night. And it's not just any Thursday night. It's the Thursday before Easter. And right now, there are many people that are preparing to celebrate this holiday, yet there are very few people who know what Easter is all about. Well, very simply, Easter is about redemption. It's about salvation. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about tonight. And yet tonight, it might get a little bit uncomfortable because we're going to talk about some uncomfortable things. And to do this, to help me talk about redemption tonight, I'm going to be having a very special guest, somebody I went to high school with. His name is Doug Naden, and he's going to share with us his testimony of salvation and some very heart-pricking verses of Scripture that are very challenging. So stick around. Well, everybody, welcome to the late Raven's Heart live stream. There I am getting tongue-tied again this evening. I am just so excited about what we're going to be talking about tonight and who I have on with us. Jermaine, who's also in Georgia, thank you for joining us. Tonight, we have Doug Naden on. And what makes this so special is Doug and I went to high school together, not in the Bible Belt. We went to high school together in New Milford, Connecticut. Doug, thank you for joining the live stream. Oh, Glenn, thank you for inviting me and thank you for the opportunity. It's, uh, I've been waiting for it. I've been waiting for it. And uh, it's just really cool to, to be back in contact uh, after almost 40 years, 35, something like that. Yeah, let's just keep it at something like that. I really don't want to reveal our, our age that much. <laughs> Who would have thought 30 years ago, dude, when we were in high school, that we would be right now in 2022 rejoicing in our salvation in Jesus. Oh, amen, man. Yeah, I, you, we would have had harsh words if you had plans for both of us. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what I want to do, Doug, is just turn the microphone over to you. And I'd like to thank everybody that's joining us this evening. That's a new viewer to Raven's Heart. Um, Doug, I want to turn the microphone over to you. Can you share with us how Jesus saved you? Yeah, uh, I mean, I gotta, I gotta set the table a little for you. Um, you know, I, I honestly, I don't know many people that do, but I can. I can trace back, and I can't tell you by date, but I can tell you when I ran from the Lord. You know, I, I remember what the situation was when I ran from the Lord. You know, I went to church uh, pretty much only to go out to eat with my grandparents, you know, afterwards, uh, growing up. And, uh, you know, so that was about the best of my foundation, you know, uh, growing up was just pretty much hanging out with my grandparents and and getting a meal after the uh, Sunday service. And, um, you know, I remember one Sunday in particular, I, I don't remember what they were, were talking about. I had to be about 13 or 14 or something like that. And um, they preached, and at the end of it, the the pastor or the preacher, he said, now if, if any of the parents out there have uh, children that are listening to uh, Motley Crue, Rat, um, uh, Slayer, Metallica, Megadeth, you know, you name it, just ran down the, pretty much ran down the list of everything I was listening to. And they were like, you better go home and invade their room and grab all their stuff and burn it, you know? And I was just like, ah, man, you know? And it just didn't sit well with me. You know, it didn't sit well with me because I didn't have uh, that much of a foundation. So, you know, what it was is just uh, idols, you know, it was idols. And I've always been a big music 
fan, you know, Kiss, Ozzy Osbourne, you know, I'm just trying to think about what was going on. I think, you know, some of those bands came a little later, but, you know, they pretty much ran down the whole list and, and I pretty much checked out that day. I said, no, nah, that's what this is about. I'm going to, I'm going to hang with my idols, you know, um, unfortunately, you know, the, you should have no other God before me, but you know, I, I chose all those little G gods over, over or the big G God. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't long after that, you know, in high school, you know, you're trying to figure out who you are and, and where you fit in and, you know, this, that, and the other, and, you know, just started hanging out at, you know, river road. You, Glenn, I know, I don't know if you ever went down there, but you know, River Road was known for the party and, you know, just got involved in, in things, you know. Um, I, I'll just be completely honest, you know, um, started drinking, you know, early, you know, 14, 15, toying around with that. And, uh, you know, it didn't really get out of control, but it was there, you know. But uh, the first time I got high, the first time I smoked weed was about 14 or 15 years old. And I stayed high until I met the Lord when I was 36. I stayed high the entire time, you know, and I don't, wow. don't want to get into, you know, the horror stories because, you know, there's what's to say sin is pleasurable for a season. And then it just, you know, the season ended. My season was way too long. You know, um, you know, just started, it would take me a lot longer to tell you, it'd be a lot shorter for me to tell you the things that I didn't get involved with, you know, it was just pretty much anything that can alter my mind. And, and, you know, I, I, I gotta say, you know, there was my parents, you know, I, I think my mom's listening right now. My parents were great parents, loving parents, you know, took everybody in. There was no divorce. There was no abuse there was no neglect it was love i mean we had 32 foster children or something like that over the years so it was a good loving family you know we were the neighborhood hangout and uh you know we just kind of i just got off off track you know real early like i said the first time i got stoned i stayed stoned until i was 35 or 36 years old uh pretty much 24 7 you know and like i said without getting into all the the horror stories you know there was hallucinogenics there was pills there was just drinking the drinking did end up getting out of control you know i actually um i'm gonna jump around a little to avoid all the horror stories but i was the guy in the group that quit drinking when i turned 21 because i already knew i was in trouble you know i was like nah this is this is not going to be good for me, you know, at 21 years old and it, it being legal. So I, you know, I quit drinking. We were in a, <laughs> we were in a club like in our teens called Swaboda, Staggering Walking Alcoholic Blackout Drinkers of America. You know, so we were just, uh, yeah, we were way off, way off, um, off track. And, um, you know, it's just, a lot of things, uh, you know, the the adult entertainment, I'll try to keep it light but real. The adult entertainment industry got its claws in me super early, you know, super early as a young adolescent, you know, teenage boy, as it does with many. And just that was really, you know, probably one of the top addictions, you would say, or, or, um, I guess I would, you would call it an addiction. It was just bad, you know, just, just as hard as the drugs, just as hard as the alcohol was the adult entertainment industry. And then the music, you know, the music, um, you know, I love metal. I'm, I'm waiting to kind of hear you talk a little bit about metal, but I remember listening to, you know, uh, Ozzy and I remember listening to Kiss and I remember listening to crew and i remember listening to rat and you know just bands like wasp you know wasp kind of kicked it up a little you know and then you remember mr quinlan yes i do okay mr quinlan he was a history teacher at scatacoke scatacoke mm-hmm. so, middle school and I, I i wish i could remember so i can you know uh 
I, I don't remember who it was, but someone came up and they were like, man, you need to check out Venom. You need to check out Slayer. You need to check out, you know, uh, Celtic Frost. You know, and, and like I said, I'm trying to remember, you know, the bands that were big back then, but they just opened up a door, you know, and uh, I'm not here to negate or talk about, you know, those bands or anything like that or defend, condone or condemn those bands. It's just what happened to me, you know, and it opened up a door for the enemy, for negativity and for um, antichrist spirit, you know, um, for death, you know, death and not life. All the lyrics were death. All the lyrics were sexual. All the lyrics were party. All the lyrics were hate. All the lyrics were uh, me, myself, and I, you know, and, and whatever worked for me. And uh, honestly, you know, for much of my life, I, I got the nickname Fatty when I was in, in uh, high school. And uh, nobody called me Doug. Everybody called me Fatty. And it wasn't because of my gut. It was because of the size I rolled my joints. But, you know, Fatty became everything I was never created to be. Yes. You know, so, um, you know, so 14 to 35, you know, uh, it, it's absolutely amazing with the amount I've done, you know, and I'm not glorifying that, but it's absolutely amazing. One, that I'm not dead. Two, that I, I've never spent a night in jail. The only time I've seen um, a jail is actually picking up my friends from <laughs> when I got up, you know. But God just had his hand upon me the whole time. Be, not, not that I was something special, but he knew that one day I would recognize that it would – only be his hand that could have kept me alive or only be his hand that would have kept me out of prison. And, uh, you know, the only, the only other time after that, my wife sitting over there eating dinner, we went on a six week honeymoon and, uh, we went to Alcatraz. So I, I have been in prison, you know, <laughs> but you know, the whole time, uh, the whole time I, I was thought I was free and just doing what I wanted and what made me happen. I was actually very imprisoned. You know, I was tired. I was paranoid. I was, um, rageful, you know, I, I could have fun, but at the end of the day, when I laid down with my own heart and my own mind, um, my season, my, my season was, had turned, you know, where that sin is pleasurable for a season. It had just turned and it, it, it engulfed everything I was, you know. It was a 24-7 quest or lust to remain high and not be sober and and be the guy that would one-up the guy next to me and do a little bit more than he did and, you know, uh, probably – some attention seeking in that some pride, you know, look at me, look at me. But, you know, it was just that God shaped hole that I was trying to fill with everything, you know, everything under the sun and it was destroying me. So, you know, let's catch up to, you know, I had some kids, you know, uh, got married and what 99 got married in 99 still with the same woman, uh, today, beautiful woman, Chris, and, uh, you know, had some kids and girls, God gave me girls. And I thought I would, with having girls, I would be able to break, you know, the porn addiction and it, it just didn't work. You know, it didn't, it didn't happen. I wouldn't say it didn't work. I didn't probably didn't even try, you know, because it was, I was so wrapped up in it. And, uh, you know, so that continued and, um, the music just got darker and darker, you know, Slayer and Metallica and, and Megadeth and all that. That was just a door, but it led to like Deicide and Cannibal Corpse and Rotting Christ and just evil. You know, it wasn't the stuff that you would have to back mask. It wasn't Judas Priest where you'd have to back mask it to try to think if it was satanic. This was just straight up evil death. And uh, I was just constantly feeding myself 
with this, you know, remember the big Charles Manson phases where there were shirts and everything, you know, I had Charles Manson shirts and Charles Manson stickers and, you know, just the, the things I was allowing in were just robbing life out of me, you know, just completely the thief come to steal, kill and destroy. And he was, he had me, you know, he had me and, and I was working willfully for him. So anyway, let's get to the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that's, that's what 22 years that was wow. a picture of my life constant picture of my life you know um so let's fast forward to 2005 i'm 34 years old a buddy of mine uh we were actually sitting behind a house getting high and he goes hey man uh the dude from corn got sick and i was like saved from what you know, was he in a car accident or was he drowning or, you know, he goes, no, he got saved. He, he's all about Jesus now. And I was, I wasn't a corn fan. You know, I, I saw corn, you know, a few times on the first and second album because, you know, they just kind of shifted music altogether. And, you know, the, uh, it just wasn't necessarily my thing when freak on a leash came out and Adidas and, you know, they started winning Grammys, but the first two albums, I'm not gonna lie. I, I was into it, but he's like, the dude from corn got saved and he left the band. And I was like, I, I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. So we just continued to puff and rolled on with life, you know? And, um, but it was a seed. It was a seed in my life because it, it, I've, I've thought about it often, you know, and that was like in, I remember it was cold. So that was like August, or, uh, October or November. And a lot of my friends are going to be like, Doug just admitted it was cold, but it was cooler out. So it was October or Nove November of 2005. So fast forward, February 19th of uh, 2006, I was sitting at my house. I was uh, in residential grading at the time. And, um, uh, it was raining that day. You can't do anything in the mud. So uh, me and my high self and, uh, you know, my prideful self, I was like, oh, yeah, that dummy from corn got saved. Let me go see what that's about, you know, because we're already in the age of Google and, you know, all that stuff. So I, I went over in the computer room and I, I Googled corn uh, guitarist saved, you know, Jesus and up comes this website and it's the brian head welch from corn and uh it was actually called head to christ because his name is head you know his nickname in the band was head and it was head to christ.com and i was like okay whatever you know and i start reading the website and it's all jesus this and jesus that and jesus 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 and honestly i was angry i was mad i was like what kind of I can't use those words anymore. I was like, just what kind of person would leave millions of dollars and Grammys and tours and women and dope and cars and mansions for Jesus? I was like, that has got to be the most idiotic thing I've ever heard. So I sat there and I read his website and I just get angrier and angrier and angrier. I don't, I, Glenn, I wasn't looking for the Lord. I promise you, I was not looking for the Lord when I woke up that morning. Um, so I sat there and I went through his entire website ridiculing this man. You know, just like I said, I can't use those words anymore. But it wasn't kind. You know, in my mind, in my heart, it wasn't kind. And um, I clicked on this. Um, I get emotional sometimes. Don't worry. There was an interview button at the bottom of the website, and I had not made fun of that yet. <laughs> just <laughs> completely honest. So I clicked on it, and it was a YouTube thing, and it was Brian Head Welsh of Corn giving his testimony, and he was talking about how tired he was. He was talking about how angry he was. He was talking about how he couldn't get away from the party. I remember I used to tell my wife. You know, I was like, baby, I'm tired. I, I don't want to do the dope no more. I don't want to find the dope anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to do it. I'm just tired. You know, I was like, all my friends are drug addicts. You know, was, it was just, 
you know, here I am, the one upper, and I'm like, all oh, my friends are dope addicts, and I just, I'm tired. And by the time it came out of my mouth, I would be laughing at myself because I was just like, dude, you're fatty. That's who you are. You're just a waste. You're just a party machine. You're just, you know, you like getting wasted and screwed up and all the. So I would laugh at myself, but inside I knew I was tired. I was wore out and I just didn't give a rip. I wasn't suicidal, but, you know, if, if I didn't wake up, uh, at least I went out strong. You know, it was that was kind of my mentality. And anyway, I listened to Brian and he, dude. Brian was Doug on a multi-millionaire Grammy winning rock star level. But he had the same demons and the same issues that Doug had. He, everything he listed, being tired, being paranoid, being hateful, being trapped and not knowing how to get away and this and the other. And he said he, uh, the only thing that got him from point A to point B was this relationship with Christ and, and the, the, uh, and, and getting in the word. And I was just like, it, it just, one, one thing about the interview and you can still go see it. They would show him in corn and he just, you could see hate in him. You could see blackness in his eyes. You could see shame and guilt and, and all that stuff, everything I was experiencing in my life. And then they'd show him saved in the word and doing Bible stuff and crusades and, and missionary work overseas and duty was peaceful. And I was like, man, that's what I've been chasing right there. You can't fake that look. And it wasn't even the Jesus thing. It was just, you can't fake that look. I want to be peaceful, man. I want to, I want to have joy. And, and he's saying the only thing that changed him was this relationship with Christ. You got to remember, I'm not even a corn fan. And 10 minutes earlier, or for the whole hour, hour and a half earlier, I've, I've dissected this man and called him everything under the sun. And the Holy Ghost, I, I, I believe, honestly, God said, okay, at least Doug is looking. Let's do what we and, and I sat there and I watched the video about six times in a row. And I was like, you can't fake that look. You cannot fake those eyes. You cannot fake that smile. No amount of dope, no amount of women, no amount of porn, no amount of money, no amount, nothing. You can't fake it. You can't fabricate it. That's a better word. You can't fabricate it. And I said, man, there's got to be a Bible in my house. And I got up from the computer and I went, Glenn, and I found a Bible in my house. And I sat in that Bible for the next eight to 10 hours. My, my wife was mad as a hornet because I was supposed to be helping her. And I was, I was, I was, I don't read. So I was sitting there and I had, I had the thing covered, you know, so she couldn't see what I was reading. Finally, she got mad enough and came around the corner and she's like, what are you doing? And, and she didn't grab it out of my hands, but she looked over and saw that I was reading the Bible. And she's like, you're reading the Bible. And I said, I said, babe, I just need this moment. I don't know what the heck's going on. I don't know. Got into some bad dope or so. I, I don't know. But I just need this moment. And I sat there in that book for 10 hours, Glenn, and read it all day. I don't have this magic scripture that jumped out at me. I, I remember Brian's. Brian said, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, uh, all you who are uh, tired, weary, heavy laden, burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. And he, and he lived off that, you know, he said, I just, I, I started reading the word. I started going to church. I started surrounding myself with Christians and this, that, and the other. So anyway, that was February 19th. Okay. I woke up an addict, 26 years, 22, 24 years. I forget what it is. I woke up an addict, porn, sex, drugs, rock and roll, hate, pride, all of it. And when I went to bed and woke up the next day, I tried to do everything. I woke up in the morning, rolled up a joint, put it in my mouth, fired it up. And one, physically, I did not get high. I, and I didn't smoke dirt. <laughs> you know, I, I, just being honest, you know, I, I, got, I had the best of the bus. I, I physically did not get high, you know. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. But then I felt conviction for the first time in my life. I mean, this is what I lived and breathed. My name was Fatty. 
This was a, what I lived and breathed and, and did all the time. And I felt this thing called conviction for the first time in my life. But I also felt love, a Christ-like love. I didn't know it at the time, but I just, I was experiencing something new. Conviction for one, and I wasn't getting high. Then I, then I went and sat down, tried to do my normal on the computer, visiting that WWXXX, you know, whatever. And um, for the first time, those women were someone else's daughters. And I had two of them. And I never looked at it like that. And I, and I felt shame and I felt guilt and I felt conviction, not condemnation, conviction, you know, and then drinking. And, and is it, nothing worked, Glenn. <laughs> nothing worked the same as it did prior to me sitting in that work all day long. Wow. And I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet for a minute. I know you let me talk. Wow. I, I just have a few things that I would like to uh, point out to our viewers and our listeners. Uh, Doug and I did not. Okay. We planned doing this and we talked a little bit about his testimony, but I had him purposely not share the entire testimony to kind of keep this fresh. He kind of gave me the hook that music had something to do with it. And I didn't find Doug or bring Doug on because Brian Head Welch, I had no idea of the role that Brian Head Welch had played in, in Doug's salvation uh, until just now, until listening to that. And I just want to make a few comments on that. And then I want to say something I think that the Lord's really stirring in me that I want to share with you personally for you, Doug. And all of these notes that I have here for tonight, we're going to kind of throw these by the wayside and uh, and just kind of dive in deep on this. That was a good, good starting point that we had. Um, this live stream and everything that's being done here, and I want to explain this to everybody that's that's new to Raven's Heart. The whole purpose of this live stream and what Lithos Cry is about is to reach out and to minister to the metal community. That's how this all started. Now, Doug, you're going to enjoy this story because when I started, you know, we started as a podcast called Get Real. And when I was kind of taking those beginning steps of faith in doing this, it's kind of like, okay, you know, this is, there's really, you know, it's not churchy, you know, at all. And, you know, I grew up, I grew up Episcopalian in Connecticut. Now, for those of you that know Doug and I and lived in New Milford, you, you know, that's not the Bible belt up there. So here we got two guys that are born again, miraculously from Connecticut. Um, so I started taking these steps forward. Of course, when you start taking steps forward in your calling, there's always resistance and there's always people that are like, nah, that's nah, I don't think that's of God. You know, you need to do it this way. So, one of the things that was one of those confirmations, and I want to share this with you, Doug, and our viewers and our listeners, you can go back into our files and listen to this. And hes I actually still have a way to get in contact with him. Uh, a few days after I decided, or probably about a month after I decided we were going to do this podcast and live stream, kind of zeroing in on the metal community, I was actually on the phone with Richard Morrill, who was the first lead singer of Korn okay. when it was LAPD. Right, right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Richard was like, yeah, and we were talking, he was very fascinated about what we were doing. And then a year later, we were actually able to interview Richard um, on there. And what I'm, what I want to do and what I'm going to do is shoot this over to my contact um, to get it back to Richard to see if we can get this live stream over to Brian so that he can be blessed by it and, and do that. Uh, just really excited about that. The other thing that I want to point out too, is in listening to your testimony, there were so many doors. There was such a fight for your soul, such a fight for your soul. Um, the doors that were open, the things that you had to contend with, the things that were dragging you down were so like mammoth. I mean, just, just Leviathan type stuff that's dragging you down. It was always a hundred percent. It was always, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't casual. It was 100% all in, you know, if it was say, you know, deicide, you know, just deicide, man. Yeah. You know, people think it's a gimmick, you know, okay, if it is a gimmick, it's a bad gimmick, and it opens up some very vicious doors. doors. Vicious. Yep. 
know, that were very, very hard. To, well, it wasn't hard for the Lord to close at all, but yeah. I had to get to that break. You know, dude, I broke that day on, on, on February 19th. And, and it was because for the first time in my life from 14, when I ran, when they said, burn his music, burn his music, God used music to bring me back, or, or at least a, a, someone that was born again that was in a metal band that the the experience or the relationship with christ he didn't say you know all these experiences let him it was this relationship with christ and i never heard it presented like that wow started doing this relationship and i didn't mean to cut you off but um i just started pursuing this relationship and um God just put me around the right people at yes. the right in my life that would speak truth and love about the things and the doors that I opened in my life, but then showed me scripturally, showed me spiritually, showed me dis- discipleship in a way to where I understood the love of God. I comprehended the love of God. I knew there was no condom. Dude, my birthday is May 17th. Uh, of the year I was born with the, you said you didn't want to do the age thing, but uh, <laughs> and the first scripture that jumped out to me, honestly, you know, cause it wasn't that day when I sat in the book for 10 hours, the first one that jumped out after I started going to church, this all happened at my house. I got saved in my den of sin over there. You know, I was, I was in my porn room. I was in my, smoking dope room. I wasn't at an altar call. I wasn't at a church. I wasn't surrounded by Christians. God invaded my life that day and said, here, he's looking, let's get him. So, um, what do you call it? Uh, I lost my train of thought. I lost my train of thought. Go, go ahead and talk. Len. We'll, we'll, what I was going to sh- share, and I was going to share something to encourage you. One of the things that I've discovered in my walk and in working with different people, the greater the pull that Satan has on somebody's soul to keep them from the gospel means the greater the calling on that person's life. And I really believe that what you saw in the negative and the reverse, the 100% God, and I've seen it already in your preaching, is propelling you to that 100%, that passion towards him and the way that you're going to reach people and that he's going to use you. There is a huge call on your life. And don't, don't ever doubt that in what God's called you to do. I think you're only seeing the beginnings of what God's calling you to do in your life and the way that you're going to reach souls. I'm sitting here listening to your testimony and it's just, it's just taking me back. And I knew you in high school, dude, we used to, we'd sit and look at baseball cards together. And I know your mom is going to join on the line in just a minute. And my parents would go over and play Uno at your house, you know, until like what, two o'clock in the morning or something like that. And Doug, would you mind if I brought your mom on real quick? She's waiting in the wings. Um, Can I bring her on real quick? Yeah, go ahead. All right, we're going to bring Doug's mom on, Mary Naden, and there she is. Mary, so good to see you. Welcome to the live stream. I'm really enjoying it. I'm learning some things. (laughs) Some things I didn't know, but that's all right. It's good in the end. (laughs) It is so good to see you, and I rejoice in your son's salvation. And I think... Doug, if I'm not correct, your whole household has been affected by your salvation as well. Everybody. Um, Everybody. My, my parents the church because they were like, what happened to him? You know, he stopped cussing. He stopped partying. He's crying all the time. He, every time we walk into his house, he's in the word, you know, so they wanted to come see what I got into. And, uh, you know, they come back to the Lord. Uh, my nephew for Christmas one year, you know, I bought him a Bible and, uh, you know, my brothers, I said, what can I get him for, uh, Christmas? He's like, ah, he's in the reading. I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to get him. And he said, ah, go ahead. You know, cause my brother wasn't saved, you know? And, uh, I got my nephew a Bible and I didn't like, I wasn't up his grill about it. I was just like, Hey, have you gotten in that Bible? You go, no, nah, I don't even know where it is. You know, da, 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 da. But then God put a, uh, a friend in his life whose actual name is Christian 
uh, you know, I forget his last name, but his first name is Christian. And Christian's grandfather is a pastor of the local church that they go to. So Trey or my nephew, well, I already said it. Trey starts going to church with Christian and gets drawn. And then my brother calls me and is like, hey, man, I got a problem. My, my kid won't stop going to church. It's Wednesday, Sunday, this day, every day. And he goes, I, I don't know how to, it, it's wearing me out. And I was like, dude, and you're calling me about it? I was like, you know where I'm at now. I think that's the greatest thing in the world. And he goes, well, what's my role in it? And I, boom, God opened the door for me to share with my brother. You know, I said, that pastor, his grandfather, that's that's one thing. He's your son, man. You need to start going to that church and hear what he's hearing. And, you know, I said, and I told him that day before he knew anything about the Bible. I was like, the Lord has written the law on your heart. You know, that's what the word says. The, the law of God is written upon our hearts. I was like, if it don't sit well, call me. We'll talk about it. So about a month goes by. And my brother calls and you can hear it in his voice. You know, he goes, you ain't going to believe this. I was like, yes, I am. Because I know my God I, relationship, you know, and, and my brother's voice started cracking. He's like, would you come down for my baptism? I was like, oh, wow. Of course I will come down. Then his, then his wife gets saved. My wife got saved on Easter Sunday in 06, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So everybody to answer your question, the whole name plan. Wow. Which, which is scriptural. You yes, that that is that is totally scriptural. And I just want to share as well. We got a couple comments that have come through here that I want to uh, pull up real quick. Jermaine, uh, Michelle, she says, wow, what a powerful testimony. And people, this what we're talking about tonight is what Easter is about. It is about Jesus who died for our sins, who was crucified, who rose again victorious over death, hell, and the grave so that we can be saved so that he took our punishment for our sin, for, for our mess. And God reaches down at where we're at to save us and lift us up out of the mire. This right. is what Easter is about. It's about salvation. It's about redemption. And you know what? A testimony, the part where Jesus saves you is always beautiful. But when you get there, I mean, and you take a look in scripture, we are filthy. And all of our righteousnesses is filthy rags. And we're in the mire. We're in the dirt. And it's ugly. And you know what? I'm I'm probably pretty sure there's some people watching tonight. They're like, man, they're talking about all this sin that they were in and everything like that. Yeah, that's just the reality of life. That's just called reality. And, and we're all that way. And none of us, before we're saved, are, you know, are righteous. We are just not righteous. That's why we needed Jesus' righteousness. And forgive me if I start preaching because I'm just getting fired up. Jermaine says, when I gave my life to God, I, I was in my apartment while in college. And just an awesome testimony here, the power of it. And something I want to share with both you and your mom real quick um, here as well. Your entire household, Doug, got saved after you were miraculously born again. And Forgive me if I get a little teared up here. The same thing happened in the Remsen household. Norm, Judy, Dawn, Grandpa Charlie, and Grandma Alice, all miraculously born again. And that is scripture. It is your household. So if there's anybody out there tonight that is wondering, man, I've been saved. What about my child? What about my family? What about my kids? What about my mom, my dad, my loved ones? Yes, God will save them. You stay faithful to his word. Got another comment here from brother Brian Dean. Rock solid, my brother. Much love, Brian. Uh, Keith, um, Keith, thank you so much for joining the live stream tonight. I got tears in my eyes um, right now. Hey, we got to take a quick commercial break um, real quick. And then I want to talk about Romans 9, 3 that you preached the other day. And Mary, I thank you so much for joining us. Mary, do you have anything that you'd like to add? No, I'm just so proud of my two boys that, you know, I knew kind of the road that they were taking, but I figured if I interfere with what they were doing, they'd pursue it more. And, you know, we just let them have their way and hope that they, you know, came around. And, uh, but if I think I, you know, 
if I got involved in it and my husband, that they'd go more for the bad part. So, you know, I'm just proud of them. I'm so happy the whole family has been affected by it. And um, I'm thankful for it. And I praise God for it. Mary, thank you so much. Uh, I rejoice in your salvation as well and the salvation of the entire Naden household. And we will be right back. We've got uh, two two quick commercials that we got to run through to pay the bills and make things uh, happen here at Lithos Cry. We'll be back in a flash. We're going to talk about Romans chapter 9-3. We're going to challenge you people some more out there. The church in Charleston, South Carolina is leaving the building on Saturday, May 14th for a day of ministry through music at Get Revelation Rockfest 2022. Headlining Get Revelation Rockfest at the Hanahan Amphitheater is Warriors of Light. Other artists include Jenna Parr, The Last Trumpet, Ziggy, Armor of God, Filthy Rags, Red Calling, Xandria Cross, Nettie, Tricord, and Suffering Gift. More information and tickets can be found on Eventbrite or at lithoscry.com. That's L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y dot com. Come on out and join us to rock on and set captives free with the gospel. A perfect way to proudly display your love of God and country is with a custom-made wooden flag from 100% reclaimed materials. The Rugged American Flag Company can design a custom wooden flag for you or a loved one. A custom wooden flag makes the perfect gift for those serving in the military, law enforcement, emergency services, or any other profession of service. Call 803-521-0708 or email the Rugged American Flag Company, that's the Rugged American FLGCO, at gmail.com to design your flag today. Stay rugged and rock on, America. And we are back. Thank you, everybody. We are with Doug Naden, a gentleman that I went to high school with several. Well, we'll just keep it at several decades ago. How about that? We'll just we'll, we'll say it that way, not revealing our our true ages here. But uh, we are talking about redemption. We are talking about salvation. We are talking about being born again, and that's what Easter is all about. And Doug, I want to ask you some questions about a message that you preached a few weeks ago, uh, actually probably a few months ago at your church. And I want to, we're going to do something here, show you all the whiz bang stuff that we got over here at the studio. Um, I'm going to pull up the scripture verses here and it's Romans chapter nine, verses one through three, where Paul wrote, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I wish I, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Um, really want to dive into this here because this is not a verse that you hear preached very often in church. And the last time I checked, it's not in the precious moments. Uh, inspirational verse calendar that you would find at most most of your local Christian bookstores. This verse is very challenging. Romans 9, chapter 3, uh, Romans 9, verse, verses 1 through 3. What is it that God's shown you through these verses, and how has he challenged you through this? Well, uh, I drive a truck for a living, and uh, I do these things called lunch nugs, where I, just when it comes to lunchtime, I, I eat real quick, and then I sit down and I get in my word. And uh, my truck is kind of my sanctuary is big and bulky and, you know, uh, loud as it is. Just God speaks to me there. And uh, I was just reading. Sometimes I ask him what I should read and he tells me and I get it that way. And sometimes I just read, you know, and and here recently, I think it was um, it was actually a few months ago. And because I ended up sharing it with my 313 uh, uh, discipleship group here at the home. But I read that. And I've read Romans. I've read, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I've read the whole Bible, you know. And I've been walking for 16 years, and I'm, I'm sure there's stuff that I've missed, you know. But I've read the New Testament all the way through. I've read most of the Old Testament all the way through. And I've, I know I've read. I, I love Romans. You saw in my sermon where there's so many memorable scriptures out of Romans that we could just rattle them off off the top of our you know, the tip of our tongue. And, and I read Romans nine, one through three. And it said what you said, where, where Paul was wished, he said, I wish, you know, he closed eight 
saying that there's nothing, you know, I'm, I'm not going to misquote it, you know, um, but he closed uh, chapter eight. It's 839 where no death, no life, no pain, no sorrow, nothing, no depth, no width, nothing, no principality, no power, no anything, no sin can separate us from the love of God. And then the very next thing in Romans 9, 1, he says, I wish that with, with Christ in the Holy Ghost bearing witness in my conscience, I, I exaggerate not, you know, I'm jumping through a couple of translations, but um, I'm not lying. I think one translation says, I'm not exaggerating, says another translation with Christ and the Holy Spirit bearing witness with me I wish that I could be accursed one says I wish that I could be separated I think it's the message where I don't go very often but the way the message says it if I could be cursed by my Messiah so someone else can be blessed by him and saved by him I would do it in a heartbeat and man it just really I it it made me slow down in my in my walk you know because we're busy we're ministering i'm on a worship team you know uh, i have a home group i'm a pastor to my wife and my kids i'm um the priest of my home you know i have a 60 hour a week job where where you know they'll introduce me as pastor down there and i and i rarely bring up the word down there i just try to walk it out the best that i can you know so it just it, it one, it blew me away. I was like, did he really say that? Did Paul just say that? You know, and I, I, I was able to jump through those scriptures in other translations because honestly, Glenn, I went through 30 or 40 translations trying to make it say something different. I was pulling out the Strong's. I was pulling out the Greek. I was pulling out the, the Dead Sea Scrolls. I was I was like, this, you, what? What? I mean, the, the burden, you know, some, some people don't like that word, you know, God doesn't burden you and I'm not here to negate that, you know, but the, the importance that, that Paul, the murderer of Christians, his road to Damascus, you know, kind of same deal with me. I, you know, he was murdering them. You know, I was, I was just making fun of him, but God had to knock me off my horse too and say, Hey, here I am, open, open his eyes, the scales fell off, you know, Lord, it doesn't say Paul looked up and said, Lord, first thing out of his mouth was Lord. There was just no mistaking that it was him. The importance in the, in the burden, what, what does it say? I have a deep anguish within my heart, continual pain and grief. And I was like, man, do I have that? Do I have that for my coworkers? Do I have that for people on social media do i have that for family members do i have that for old friends new friends you know anybody do i do i have that you know and and i didn't like my answer just to be completely honest i didn't like my answer you know nowhere in scripture does it say that we're called to lay down our salvation but just the fact that the great apostle paul in in, in his journey in his in his calling in his uh empowered to write two-thirds three-quarters of the of the new testament makes a statement as bold you know we think what it's done in me is you know i got a lot of great i know i know in your format you said you know going back to your countrymen going back to your kinsmen going back and we could talk about that in in a little if time allows you know i'm i'm here all night you do what you got to do but um <laughs> <laughs> uh, he just it just slowed me down and made me think Doug how how often do you talk about salvation how often do you pray for salvation okay your family's all saved are, are you content with that you know has that deep anguish has that deep concern you know let's let's just bring it into modern day you know just concern it doesn't have to be anguish you know right. Man, are you are you concerned for their soul? Are you concerned for their salvation? Are you concerned that they understand and know that there's a relationship? Are you concerned that they understand the love and the kindness and the and the correcting? It says he chastises the ones that he loves. So 
I'm all down for conviction. You know, if, I, if I'm off track and God corrects me and says, hey, get back on, on online and, you know, he's got to give me a little paddle to get me motivated, you know, I'm good with that because it says he chastises the ones that he loves. Yeah. Chastise me, you know, chast- but it, it just quickened my heart. It just really quickened my heart. And I just started dissecting it, you know, going through 30, 40 translations trying to make honestly just i'm I'm being completely honest trying to make it say something different because i was so far from that heart frame but who so desired to want to be at that heart but but what if you lay down your salvation what goes with it power goes with it peace goes with it salvation goes with it holy ghost goes with it <laughs> uh, the love of god goes i mean all the as it unraveled, it just blew me. It blew me away as it's rolling off my tongue right now. You know. Yeah, yeah. There is so much in there, Doug. And when I heard that, I listened to it on a road trip that I took a few weeks ago, and I listened to it, and I was like, "This is so refreshing to hear preaching that is this powerful, this revelatory, and just so challenging." Because you're right. I don't think most of us are there. Western Christianity, for most, is okay, I got my salvation. Now give me my stuff. You know, I get, get, give me my stuff. Let me move on. Let me get your stuff. God, I got my salvation. And okay. You know, if I can hand out a track or do something great, you know, there's really a lot of times, not a lot of thought put into it. And then I started thinking scripturally, you know, scripture interprets scripture. It, re- it really does. Um, you know, cause what Paul said here is so profound and I started thinking about it and starting to go down the rabbit hole. And that's just kind of the way I'm a Bible geek. Okay. I'm just a nerd when it comes to it. I'm like, where, where is this in scripture? And you know, last night as I was continuing to go down this rabbit hole, the Holy spirit took me to John chapter 15 at verse 13. And, you know, we know that John was the, uh, according to scholars, the, the disciple that Jesus loved, not that he didn't love the other ones, but this is the one that he loved the most. And this is what John wrote in John chapter 15 at verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that he laid down his own life for his friends. And when you take a look at that verse in Romans, um, you know, that's it right there. Paul is willing to lay down his life for his own friends. And then when you think about it, what Paul is expressing there is really the heart of Jesus. And when you think about Easter, when Jesus laid down his own life and became sin for us and was separated from the father when he was on the cross, yes, there was a moment in time he was separated. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And when he said that, that's exactly what he did for us. So us as believers that's where we, where Jesus wants us to go is that heart that Paul had. And I believe that's why it's in scripture, but there's so much that blocks us from even getting there. Doug, from your study and what God has shown you concerning this, what blocks us from getting to the true heart of Christ to lay down our own lives for other people's salvation, to minister to our countrymen? Uh, I think uh, some comfort, you know, because there is a comfort in the Lord, you know, uh, I think some um, performance, you know, uh, might get in the way. I think intimidation might get in the way because, you know, we're we're living in an age where, you know, what what to say? There's going to come a time when people call good evil and evil good. You know, we're there. You know, we're there. So it's a hypersensitive uh, society to where you have to. Uh, oh, well, you're taught that you have to walk on eggshells and, you know, not talk about sex, not talk about politics, not talk about religion. Well, how, I mean, how, how well has that panned out? You know, cause now we're at the point where nobody knows how to talk about any of those things civilly, you know, nobody can talk about Christ. Uh, I, we were just sharing earlier as, as you know, you were kind of pre-interviewing me where I got a little heated with someone that challenged, you know, and, and I, I, I just became, I could feel myself becoming unchristlike in, in my, what, what were the words I used, my zeal or my passion or, or, or whatever it is to help someone, not force, just to help someone understand the truth as I understand it, you know, and 
I think there's an in, intimidation factor where, oh, no, don't go there. We're not supposed to talk about sex, politics, and religion. That's not panning out well for anybody. No. You know, it just kind of quickened me. Yes, we need to do it in truth and in love and in compassion and in mercy. You know, um, it said, you know, in the, in the story of the Good Samaritan, when it says, who's your neighbor? The one that you showed mercy to. You know, we got to, we have to do that. You know, it says, go and do likewise. You know, go and do likewise. So, you know, it's just really, I think those are some, to answer your questions, I think pride, you know, spiritual pride. My mentor up there in New Milford, Connecticut, the Murphy family. I don't know. Do you remember the Murphys? I do not, know. Yeah, for one of the first things he ever taught me is like spiritual pride is worse than worldly pride because you should know better. You know, mm. worldly pride, you know, they just don't know. You know, scales blinded by the God of this world, you know, but there's the, the, um, spiritual pride. It, it, it'll kill you quicker than what it says before a great fall, it comes pride, you know? So he always taught me to stay away from, from, from spiritual pride. And, uh, you know, that's tough, you know, because we're sure of our salvation. We're sure of the truth of the power of the gospel unto salvation. We're sure of it because of the relationship, you know, one, when I was, you know, kind of getting heated with that guy, he's like, well, why is your experience any different than my experience is any different than billions of people's experiences? Why is yours the truth? And I tried to be, you know, compassionate and, and concise and, you know, but I just got a little off track when it just kept getting combative and combative. But, you know, at the same time, I have to love that person. And I do love that person, you know. And uh, the scripture has just challenged me. So to answer your question, I think pride, intimidation, and what was the other one? Um, comfort. 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 And, yeah. you know, there's this thing called churchianity, you uh -huh. know. There's Christianity and then there's churchianity, yes. and if it doesn't if it doesn't fit the mold, uh, I put a post up the other night about the mold. If it doesn't fit the mold of the four walls, it's 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 treading somewhere you shouldn't tread. I think we need to tread everywhere we're told not to tread. Yes, and God has opened up that door, you know, for me uh, and 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 people all over the world. It's just um, being willing being filled with the Holy ghost, you know, not, not in a prideful way, you know, being filled with the Holy ghost doesn't mean that I'm better than you. It just means that I'm better than I was yesterday. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's the only person I'm ever trying to be better than is not you. <laughs> it's I'm just trying to be better than who I was five minutes ago, five hours ago, five days ago. And you know, that's what being filled with the Holy ghost. I, I mean, I know there's a spiritual end and a, you know, the power that comes with that and the gifts that come with that. But, you know, we've got to discern. That's another thing the Murphy's yes. taught me. Discernment. You know, spiritual pride, stay away from it and always pray for discernment. Absolutely. Hey, we got some comments that I want to go through before we close out real quick. And there's something else that I'd like to do. We have Trina and she's talking about the message that you preached on Romans nine, three. Yes, you sure challenge us that with that on that one, uh, a good word. What a powerful testimony you have. Thank you for your transparency. Praise God. Love you, Doug. And then we have a comment from Chad and Samantha. They say just awesome. Doug, unfortunately we are running out of time. Oh, we got one more comment here. Always preaching and teaching with boldness. Awesome, man. I agree. Um, before we close out, um, oh, wow. The comments just keep rolling in. You've, you've struck a nerve tonight, brother. We should treat every, uh, tread everywhere that we've been told not to tread. Yes, absolutely. We need to go outside of the church building to do the work of the Lord. Um, Doug, for our viewers and our listeners, we're two, just two good old boys from New Milford, Connecticut, who went to the home of the Green Wave at New Milford High School. Yep. Um, we both had my dad for shop in middle school. <laughs> I got a funny story. I know we're running out of time, but I got a funny story about shop. But anyway, we'll, we'll do that another time, maybe round two.
Yes, we are definitely going to do round two. But before we close, you know, here in Charleston, we believe God is starting revival or we're living in revival in Charleston. And it's going to go up the East Coast. We really believe that. We're seeing God do some miraculous things here. And I just want to pray right now over the city of New Milford, Connecticut, that God would bring revival to New Milford, Connecticut, and that every person that you and I went to high school with would have an encounter with Jesus as we've had the encounter and that their souls too would be saved. Those are our countrymen as well that we went to high school at NMHS, the home of the green wave with. And most of this um, tonight was not planned. I pretty much threw the notes out the window. And we were just, uh, when we did the pre-talk, uh, it's kind of like, well, let's go where the Spirit goes with this. And it's just amazing where God took us. Doug, thank you so much for joining us and for everybody that's watching and viewing. Peace out and rock on. We will be back on the 28th of April, just before Rockfest. And we've got a very special guest. We've got a young man who is 11 years old that can play the guitar better than Eddie Van Halen could at age 30. You're going to have to watch and see. It's it's pretty amazing. Until then, peace out and rock on. Lithoscry.com.